Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking up on our short series on what is self-control. If you recall from the first episode, we saw that self-control is no small thing in the eyes of God, uh, but sadly it is of little importance in the eyes of so many who claim Christ as their Lord. And so pastorally, we have a a big concern over this. And so what we did uh, to start out with was we uh, looked at several Bible passages that spoke of self-control in relationship to that doctrine of perseverance. Uh, Now, self-control is not the only component on how you're gonna persevere to the end, but it is one key component that you can't miss. And so too often what we find is that there are those who love the doctrines of grace And they will functionally, though, believe in the idea of once saved, always saved, which is not what you should believe. Right. Um, Even though with their mouth, what they're claiming is the perseverance of the saints. And you have to understand they're not the same. What, What I mean by that is the way they live their life is one of utter no self-control in any significant way. And yet they figure, hey, I'm the elect, I'm in, I'm saved. Um, And yet that's not how the Bible will describe it. There is this idea of persevering. And we see this also in many circles, not every, but in many circles of the gospel-centered movement, that there's this dangerous idea of thinking that though there are many commands and warnings in the New Testament regarding pressing on or fighting, contending, agonizing, and even running that race regarding our faith, that in reality, they brush aside because it doesn't really matter because they're being told over and over again, Jesus has already done it for you. So in other words, what we mean by this is, yes, you should be a faithful husband. And yes, you should not be given to factiousness and immorality like uh, Galatians 5 describes. And yes, the New Testament does say that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But thankfully, Jesus did it for you. So don't lose a lot of sleep on it. And so the end result is you see people who live in factiousness or live in immorality or whatever it might be, things that clearly the Bible says, if you live in these things, you cannot and will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we keep thinking, no, because we believe in the doctrines of grace, somehow we're exempt. And so what we argued in the last episode is that the Bible is serious about the nature of our fight for the faith and the need to persevere and how self-control is a key component to that battle. Yeah, we also talked about how beginning well and beginning things well is far easier than finishing <laughs> well. Amen. Um, and so we we start out with all sorts of grand ideas on how everything is going to be years from now, but somehow we, we lose our way. You can see this even in the beginning of parenting, for instance, as compared to when the children are grown and leave the home or the state of your new year's resolutions in January or your Bible reading plans in January, (laughs) as compared to what's going on in December or even April. Um, but it's, it's hard, it's hard to finish things well. Um, 
And sometimes we just never even finish, much less finish well. And that that is what we will discuss today and also in the next episode. Uh, to put it bluntly, this is the sin of procrastination. And yes, procrastination is sin. Uh, in fact, J.C. Ryle, in his book, Thoughts for Young Men, which is an excellent book, and it's it, very short. It is. Very, very short. It is brutal, though. It, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you don't even have to read it critically, and you're getting beat. Well, and he has a, a companion, Thoughts for Young Women, and you can really see a pastoral heart there of calling people to walk in obedience. And, but but what should a young man or young woman be thinking and, and arranging their lives? So anyhow. Yeah, well, it establishes so much for the rest of their life. Um, but he says, tomorrow is the devil's day, but today is God's. Satan does not care how spiritual your intentions are or how holy your resolutions. If only they are determined to be done tomorrow, <laughs> which is very, very true. Uh, there, that infamous statement that is also well known is that tomorrow never gets here. Uh, so tomorrow just never being promised. Well, our plan is to go from the lesser to the greater here regarding this particular sin. Uh, and then we want to offer some advice on confronting it in your own life and per perhaps also in the life of your friends and family. And what we mean by that is we talked about friendship again. And one of the wounds that you do as a faithful friend is you're going to need to call on your brothers and sisters who maybe are procrastinating, but also when it's your turn to receive that wound, that you accept it as coming from somebody who loves you enough to say, look, you know, you talk a good talk, but that's about all it is. And, and you need to tighten things up in your life. So with that, let's, what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about procrastination, but keep in mind that it's all about really the issue of self-control. And we're going to just give some um, many, many Bible verses and just make comments on them. Uh, laziness, first of all, is a product of procrastination. Uh, it's funny because many people will joke that they're procrastinators and they love to laugh about it and everyone else will laugh. Uh, but they would be greatly offended if they were called lazy. Um, but that's exactly what they are. They're, they're lazy in their thinking. Um, they're lazy in their acting. Just to give some thought, some of that a thought for a moment and don't react to it emotionally. Don't turn us off. Just listen and think about it. Procrastination is really a word that we use that seems um, rather safe or unimportant. It's just a word. Uh, but we look at lazy and being lazy as a pejorative term, and, and it offends us. But in reality, they are the same. Um, we like to use alternative terms all the time to help deflect attention off of character weaknesses in our lives. And again, as pastors, we see this a lot. Um, now, we would also say that procrastination is not merely laziness, but it involves fear, um, lack of confidence, and such. But for the most part, it is laziness. And even if it is something else, ultimately it's gonna come back to a lack of self-control. In fact, as an aside, this is something we encounter a lot as pastors, uh, that tendency today to redefine sins into maladies and weaknesses. Yeah, and we're, all, we're all just broken. Yeah. We're broken, we're sick. and. Thankfully, pharmacology has a pill for that. Yeah. Um, the result is really we make light of what the Bible never makes light of or to make the person a victim rather than the responsible party. And the, the, we're not going to get into what all of that means. I think, though, that a lot of listeners already have a suspicion of what we're implying there. Just think about that. 
how often we say, well, no, I just suffer from fill in the blank and I'm a victim. Yeah. When in fact, the Bible would look at you and say, no, you need to break through that. And here's how you do it. And so back to procrastination, if, if we replace procrastination with laziness as our term, then we can uh, begin to address it as Christians because the Bible speaks to this. The book of Proverbs speaks much to this sin, and it never speaks to it in an approving manner. And that's one of the challenges, again, we find as pastors when we give counsel is people have been heavily psychologized and socialized into thinking that something is, again, fill in the blank. We'll just talk about procrastination. And it's like, no, what you are is you're lazy. And until you start thinking about it in a biblical way and using biblical terms, yeah. So you, you don't need to be motivated. You don't need to be inspired, which is how many pastors are trying to, that's how they frame out their sermons. They're going to be an inspiration. I want to motivate you to do this because your problem is procrastination versus framing this thing out with the issue of sin, which is what it is. And also I would argue why our podcasts on theology are important. We're not just doing right. these to think thoughts. Um, these are the filters through which we should think. Um, because they're biblical. Yeah, in fact, there is a method, if you haven't figured it out by now, to our madness of we do a practical, more pastoral thing on, what, Tuesdays, right? Yeah. And then Thursdays or Friday, I don't even know uh, when Fridays, I drop. Fridays, Fridays. Um, on Fridays, then we give you a theology. And we're doing that on purpose because we're trying to wed the two because we find often they're not. Um, and so we have all kinds of great theology and we love to read books about theology and we'll flame a person who doesn't quite phrase something theologically precisely. And yet our life might be filled with pure gluttony, right? We're shoving Big Macs in our face as fast as we can and our waistline just keeps expanding, right? Well, I mean, you know, those were gluttons, right? <laughs> and, and the whole time we're sitting there rebuking this person, rebuking that Um Look, that at some point those two have to come together and, and we're going to bring them together here with procrastination. Yeah. So just, just consider some points from Proverbs. And um, I'll start with the first one, then you pick up on the next one. I can't remember how we decided to do that. So <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Um, the first of all, the actions of a lazy person. Let's just see what the Bible says about that. Well, first thing he's known for is his sleep. He's good at that. So Proverbs 6, 9 through 11, <laughs> Solomon says, how long will you lie down, O sluggard? You almost can see him as a dad saying, get yeah. your rear end out of bed. I, my father actually once, he told me, it's time to get up. And I'm like, okay, okay. And the moment he walked out of my bedroom, I laid my head back down, went back to sleep came back down and yelled at me and says, get out of bed now, about half an hour later. I'm like, okay, okay. And I laid back down again. The next time I woke up because I was in the middle of the air, <laughs> my father came down and I was dead to the world. He just grabbed my ankles and yanked me right off the bed. And I was in the air and I flopped onto the ground. He says, when I tell you to get out of bed, you get out of bed, you lazy bum. And he walked out. I'm like, I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> and, and we're laughing about, but it, my dad was angry. And, and I realized now as a father, he, had, he was right in being angry. This was not a quality he wanted in his son. Um, so Solomon says, how long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. And so 
a, a, a procrastinator or a sluggard is asleep mentally and physically. That's what he gets into in verses 9 and 10. He He's reasoning with himself why he should rest a little more. You can, yeah, yeah, a little sleep, yeah. a little slumber. And, and we've all done it. We all have done it. Uh, he, he in, in verse eleven, he's not alert as a result of that. He's cr- trained his whole mind to not be alert, but rather sleepy, and so he's not prepared for the future. He's ra- rather a spiritual beggar, and one day he will be suddenly overwhelmed by the events simply because he's not prepared. Uh, he's not alert. He's not awake, and and so he looks uh, shocked. But that's all it was. And this is again a very real pastoral challenge in many cases. Uh, There are those who are swept away by the vagaries of life. In other words, because we live in a fallen, sinful world, things can happen outside our control that can be devastating. And we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the guy who's doing the right thing, but Ecclesiastes kicks in, right? And he does what's right. And because we live in a crooked, fallen world, it doesn't work. and, And we're devastated. Um, the question we have is, what is the church's responsibility to those who are simply reaping what they've sown? In other words, they are the lazy person. They have reasoned in their mind, I'll sleep a little bit more. I'll be a little lazy. I just won't turn that assignment in. I'll just this, you know, the, and then they're also facing being terminated from their job yeah. or flunking out of school um, or they're losing their home and they come to the church. I, I need help. Is it Christian love to rescue that person? Um, this is a pastoral question. And people will look at you and say, that just seems so harsh because I'm not of the me. I'm only talking me now, but I am not of the persuasion that if it's born out of your laziness, I, I want you to reap it. I want you to experience the cost of your choices so that perhaps next time you won't make those choices. And I think it's very bad when a church rushes in and says, oh, out of love, our brother has a need. No, he doesn't have a need. He has a consequence. Yeah, um, That's totally different. Like we have a, a woman in our church right now due to this whole COVID shutdown. Her job is done. And Illinois is not getting the uh, unemployment checks out to them. And she's facing a very real issue with just making rent. She's a single mom. She has needs, real needs. She didn't do any of this. And... And so I'm thinking just as a pastor, how can I come alongside her and help her? Because that's a genuine need versus a guy who is just a bum and he loses his job. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to have to lose my car. I'm going to lose my house. It's like, yeah, I guess you are. Yeah. And so what you're saying, your approach though, I mean, what you're arguing for, which I agree with, is that that is actually love and not encouraging the negligence, but letting them suffer the consequences as a discipline for their life to get back on track. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And that's so hard in our culture because there are so many safety nets. And this is what mom and dads do. In fact, my dad did it. Um, it wasn't until I moved out of our house and moved to Houston, having done a lot of folly. Um, in fact, I described a lot of that in the previous podcast, um, where I think I moved out of the house owing my dad well over $5,000. This is back in the 80s. 5000 was a lot of money. And dad just, dad loved me and he just kept rescuing me and I never learned. And so it wasn't until I got down to Houston and I, and dad told me when you're out of the house, he said, I'm done. You, you won't get any help. So don't call. And he meant that I just wish he had done it when I was 17 and not 21 or two, whatever I was. And, 
But it totally changed. All of a sudden I realized I have to be really, really, really careful with what I'm doing because there is nobody that's going to rescue me. And, um, and it's only after I was on the other side of the nation that I finally began to grow up and stand on my own two feet and become a man, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the challenge is you, you see how many social safety nets there are in our culture. Oh my goodness. And the church now feels the obligation to have to be at least equal with what, for instance, the government offers. And so they feel the pressure that, well, if this is what the secular world is doing, now the church must at least meet that. When we're, we're trying to redefine what love is, that is not loving necessarily, depending on the situation. And so, yeah, letting people suffer their consequences is a very biblical principle. So, so the very first action now then of a lazy or person or procrastinator is a person who tends to love their rest or sleep. Yeah. Um, and then second, uh, under this category of laziness is he accomplishes nothing. Proverbs 26, 14 through 15 uh, writes, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. <laughs> That's an awesome word picture. <laughs> well, and then when you know Solomon, I don't know if he wrote this one, but you, those all these ones on laziness, and then you know what he accomplished. Yeah. Pretty indicting. Um, and then it goes on in verse 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, and he is weary of bringing it to his mouth again. <laughs> you can see that one too. Uh, so verse 14 here, this uh, door turning on its hinges, uh, so does the sluggard on his bed. It just speaks of that wasted activity. Yeah, he does nothing but flop over. <laughs> back, back and forth, yeah. Uh, 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He can't even bring it to his own mouth. Um, so that, that just speaks of there's just no activity. He's just utterly stagnant in life. You know what I picture there? Now, I'm going to violate what it actually says because it gets – what I'm going to describe is it gets to their mouth, right? But some fat slob of a guy with his shirt that he's been wearing for three days and he's slouched on the couch watching yet another episode on Netflix with a bag of Cheetos and he's just shoveling them, you know, but it's resting on his stomach. Yeah. So it's close to his mouth and he, it, it's minimal activity to have to actually, <laughs> it's like at least put the Cheetos on the other side of the room. So you have to get up every time you want to stick your hand in it. Just that. Start yeah. there, you know, something. But no, your belly now becomes your your resting place for your iPhone. Well, is this, yeah. It was <laughs> funny, too, because uh, Lydia, my wife, we have a, well, he's not even two yet. But he's just this fat little pudgy <laughs> pale thing, Levi. And he's sitting in his high chair and his head is just nodding because he's so tired but he's got to eat his food and so we'll say levi eat take a bite and so he'll pick up his little piece of chicken or whatever it is but his eyes are like and he tries to bring his hand to his mouth but he just misses his face and like goes to his ear and then his head flops over onto his high chair and we quoted this verse it's like the little lazy guy can't even bring food to his mouth and he loves food because he's so fat but um Oh, poor Levi. <laughs> I love that little guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, then Proverbs 10.26, also a lazy person hurts others. Uh, great mark of a lazy person, actually. Um, Proverbs 10.26 says, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one to those who send him. Um, now, he in this one, he's not harming himself. Nor is he harming the people who get him. Yeah, he's harming the sender. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so we would say, be wary of this kind of person um, because yeah, he's not just painful to himself, but to the one who, who sends them. Um, and any parent has felt this uh, if they're a good parent. And so Proverbs 18, nine shows that he, he is accomplishing the same result uh, as the one who is destroying. So it says it a little bit different way. You want to read this one? Yeah. He, he, he also, he also, who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. So that's a, that's a painful one because the one who is lazy in his work is his brother is the one who is a destroyer. And so, you know, just something for you guys to think about as you hear this is what, what's the difference between tearing down a fence versus never getting around to building it. Um, I mean, that's kind of the image he's saying is the, they both accomplish the same destruction. Um, there's no barrier anymore. There's no protection. There's no containing or whatever yeah, it the is. The end result's the same. Yeah, the end result is loss. And and that's the idea. It's, it really is destructive. Again, another story. You can tell I was a lazy guy. And my father sent me out. Uh, our church was going to, the youth group was making money by delivering firewood. And so um, I was sent out to help split the wood and then deliver it. And it was funny because I, we were well off and we had this fancy old 98 luxury sedan and it had electric seats and doors and windows, something very few cars had. And so me and my friend, I drove out there. I was like 15. This is Idaho, where when you learned at 14 to drive. And we we're playing with the electric seats. We didn't understand how electricity in a car works. So the car was off. We ran the battery down. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing with it. And uh, But finally, it was time to do it. And we did it. Um, and we were working with men. And I remember my father telling me, you're going to be working with men. Don't you shame me. Don't you shame me. Dad's the one sending me. And he was not yet confident that I was going to be representing his reputation well and so he was very proud of me apparently i worked hard because he followed up on that and the guy said no he worked hard he did everything that we asked him to do and he didn't flinch so dad was thankful and he, he was proud of me but i never forgot that and i did that with all my kids when they got their first job i would go to their boss and how are they doing what can they improve on how can i help um, and at first the manager wasn't sure he should tell me how my kids were doing but once they realized i really wanted my kids to be good employees. They were quick. They were very quick to let me know, listen, you could work on this. And it's like, okay. And, and we did. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the, uh, another one is his, his path is painful. This, uh, the, the life of a lazy person is just difficult. Uh, Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Um, Again, we were walking through Pets Park the other day, and Naomi found herself in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't picture her. <laughs> yeah, she just wandered off the trail into a literally a, thorns, and she starts griping about it. And Perfectly I, good trail. Yeah, here. I said, Naomi, look at the broad path right here, and you chose to walk in the thorns. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> she, but I had an opportunity to teach her Proverbs fifteen nineteen. Um, but yeah, the, the, the lazy man though, this is, it just, it speaks of this. The lazy man takes a path that, that hinders and hurts himself. And the one who is upright though, is commonly seen as one whose life is blameless. For instance, Proverbs eleven five, and therefore has discernment. Um, this helps us understand that the lazy man is not 
he's not even willing to place himself under the discipline of the Lord. Uh, even that seems hard for him. And as a result, he ultimately creates harm to himself. Yeah, he, he's pretty sure he knows the shortcut. Right. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah. Right? Isn't that yeah, true, true though? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, it's also a painful thing to watch as you see family members suffer due to a lazy person's folly. It just affects everybody around him. And so a lazy husband or a lazy father will lead his family into those thorns. Um, and it's a great evil that we see time and time again. Yeah. Okay. So those are some of the activities. Uh, here's now the attitude of the lazy person. In Proverbs 12, 24, uh, we see that he is led rather than leads. Uh, in Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. So uh, a strong nation would rule over lazy nations. So the man with self-control will rule over the lazy person. Now, it's not saying that everyone who's being led is somehow lazy. It's the idea, though, is that when you're lazy, then all the only thing that you, you'll never accomplish things on your own. You'll right. never step forward and just make things happen. You're forced. You have to be forced. And that's the idea that there's always going to be somebody over you beating on you and driving you because you're too lazy to just do it yourself. And you're in poverty. So in that day, you would have to literally sell yourself at basically as a slave because you were too lazy to plow your own field, reap what you sown and sell it and all that. You just were too busy acting like a door, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, flopping around. And so keep that in mind. Uh, another one is that he desires what he cannot obtain in Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, kind of like the hand in the dish, but can't bring it up to his mouth. But then it says, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Uh, it's a real sad picture because the person actually wants to have these things. The problem is simply his character. He's not willing to discipline himself so as to attain it. Uh, the promise of blessing in the Bible comes to the one who is diligent in his life, not the one who just is floating along doing whatever makes him happy because that's always costly. Yes, yes. Uh, and then another one, uh, desire, the simple desire is not enough. Um, Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, <clears throat> but the soul of the diligent is made fat. We just did that one. Yeah, but it, oh, I see a different saying, yeah. aspect. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So an example of this is seen in 1 Timothy 3, 1. Um, it's proper and it's good uh, desire to be an elder. That's how he frames it out there. Um, trustworthy statement of deserving a full acceptance that desires a good thing. Um, but the desire in and of itself is insufficient. Um, because Paul then goes on to list qualities that need to be actually evident in that man's life. Uh, there are many men who desire the office of being a pastor and elder, but are too lazy to bring those objective qualification, those areas into control in their life. Yeah. So, you know, not only do you end up um, desiring what you can't attain, but you also fool yourself into thinking because you have the right desire that that's all you need. And it's like, dude, that's not it. Um, yeah. At some point, you're going to have to put that into action. Um, yeah, you, you got to stop dreaming at some point and get to work. Um, for you know, so we must therefore be people who are doers. We see this, for instance, in First Thessalonians four eleven through twelve, uh, where Paul there says, "And make it and to make it your ambition 
talking to Christians here, to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and to work with your hands, just as we commanded you. Why? So that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Um, in other words, the Christians should not be at the mercy of non-Christians. <laughs> they should be the ones blessing. That, that though, but then I'm not going to answer it. I'm just going to post it. Then how many Christians should be signing up for all of the things the government will give to them simply because they somehow qualify versus saying, what do I need to do so I don't yeah. take those things? It, it bugged me uh, really big uh, several years ago, knowing some guys that were taking, um, I guess it's called the Quest card. It's food stamps <coughs> sure, in my sure. day. Um, but they would be taking that. They took energy assistance. They took all these different things that the government programs did, even though they were making 40, 45,000 a year. But because they had three children, the government determined, well, you're in poverty. I'm like, dude, you're not in poverty. But they always had the newest iPhone. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> get rid of your iPhone and your plan. And maybe you don't have to take that money. And it was just foreign to them. They're like, Hey, they're saying I qualify. I don't see anything wrong with it. And it's like, except that it's teaching you to be lazy. It's teaching right. you. It's a mindset. Yeah. There's an attitude there. Um, yeah, that's a good it's, it's a hard one. But think yeah. about that, guys. Just uh, We have a guy in our church that I have nothing but respect for. This guy has been kicked in the teeth possibly every way you can imagine in his eight efforts to try to better himself and to better his family's position. This He is not slack in this. And yet through no fault of his own, car, a car just creamed him on his way to work. Uh, he's just suffered in so many ways and as a result, his family has. I remember he would get up at like three in the morning to go deliver paper. And, and I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, because I refuse to go on assistance. And my respect for him was beyond words. Just, I, I still can't even describe it. It was like, this guy is waking up and doing such a menial job because he refuses to take what he could. And I wouldn't even think badly of him because he was just in a tough situation there through no fault of his own. I thought tremendous respect for that guy. Um, and I thought so many others could should watch this guy and model his convictions. Uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, another uh, verse on this, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, Paul says, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, he's just strengthening that command. Yeah. Uh, we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. So again, just here, the reason they're not, again, is undisciplined life. Yep. Uh, it's that laziness, that procrastination, yep. the, the excuse-making, the justifying. Uh, in fact, we are very reluctant um, to hand out. We have a benevolent fund, but we don't do it um, hardly at all unless we are able to see that the person in need is due to no fault of his own. If it's out of an undisciplined life, we will not help him. We will give him counsel. We will help him with uh, financial and educational um, direction, but we will not help him because this, the, it's an actual command, an apostolic command that he would give to this church. If you're not willing to work, then you're not willing to, we're not going to 
feed you. And uh, I've, I've even told this to parents. It's like, if you're having a hard time having your son get his chores done, then have him understand that if the chores are not done by lunchtime, he gets no lunch. And if they're not done by dinner, he still doesn't get dinner. Trust me, a normal growing boy will figure this out after a day of not eating. And he won't die, beloved. He won't die. Um, but I'll tell you, the next morning, he's going to be all about those chores. Yeah. Uh, such a simple thing. Uh, but how many parents inadvertently train procrastination and laziness in their children because there is no cost? They yeah. get yelled at. But right. yeah, it's pretty easy to ignore mom screaming at you. Yeah. And, th and then when people ask, well, where's the grace in that? Well, again, this is where we let's redefine grace. Grace is not just keep encouraging people in their laziness or their negligence. The grace is bringing the discipline and the consequences. Right. So they'll learn. Right. And that's, that's so gracious. Yeah. Um, and so the next one would be that he is a beggar and therefore is in need in Proverbs 20, verse four, where it says the sluggard does not plow after the autumn. So he begs during the harvest and has nothing, meaning he doesn't prepare for the next year. He's not thinking ahead. He's literally living for the moment. It's like, man, winter's coming. I'm tired. I got my harvest in. Things are okay. I'm not going to prepare for what's to come. You can't. You ha I mean, no farmer can survive one more than one season if he doesn't prepare his fields for the next year. And it's the same idea. I find it interesting how uh, Solomon keeps drawing from life. Yeah. You know, that they, this is just how it works. And uh, we try to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, procrastinator, lazy person is proud. And again, this is, this is where it all is yeah. coming from. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Um, th this, and again, <laughs> when, when I hear that, um, the immediate thing that pops in my mind is the excuse maker. Um, they always have a reason. There's always some kind of rationale as to why. Yep. And well, what's he doing? <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's wise in his own eyes. <laughs> okay. Again, here's where we need a video. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you could see my face, uh, it all makes sense. Yeah. Well, still wouldn't, but some no. way I understand that. Yeah. Um, uh, here, again, this proverb, it shows us that a lazy person is, he's nothing less than being defined as a fool. He, he will not listen to sound counsel. He's busy framing his own defenses. He's believing that the person just doesn't th see things clearly as he does. How many times have you heard that in yeah. counsel? You don't really know, or if you just understood, or you're not really hearing, you don't know what I've been through. Um, it's just excuses. I actually had a guy not that long ago who was explaining to me, well, I just don't have money. It's like, there is stuff that you can do. So I started throwing out things. And he's like, no, I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm like, right. So it's got nothing to do with you not having the means. You're, you're able to do work. I mean, you've been with me to Africa and you've seen, since there is no infrastructure there, that it doesn't matter if you're a quadriplegic or a paraplegic. If you can move in some fashion, you'll do it. You'll do it because you got to eat and nobody's going to give you food, not one person. And so you're out there busting your rear end. Uh, again, that literally, lady, yeah, yeah, that lady who wraps a tire around her body because she's crippled from the waist down. And then she hitches along backwards with on shoes, her bottom with shoes on her hands, on her hands. And she's constantly, she's never in a state of not actively moving somewhere. Yeah. She's doing something. Right. And you're like, oh my goodness. I remember in Cameroon, a guy whose legs were so twisted 
that they were going directions I didn't think legs could go and still not be broken. And he's on this handmade crutch climbing a mountainous road with a, a burden on his back, delivering it to somebody. I'm like, whoa, mm -hmm. this guy was busting it to go make some tiny shred of money. Um, and, and so then you come back here and you look at a guy who's essentially able-bodied and saying, oh, I can't do that, I can't do it. And they're always telling you what they can't do rather than, and like you said, you don't understand. Yeah, and the, the amount of people on food stamps and those kinds of things, but bellies yes. that protrude out so stinking far. And again, that just speaks of our system and the brokenness. Of I, it. I had to, I had to say that to my wife, we were driving by a, a local church um, in our neighborhood and it's very liberal church. It does nothing for the gospel, but it has every kind of social program known. And of course, everyone's practicing social distancing, but they're handing out uh, large amounts of food. And it's that day that they do. And all these people are coming out and they're all large yeah. and they all can walk and they're able to stand. They're able to converse. Many of them are on their phones, checking their phone. And yet they're all standing, waiting to receive their chunk of food. And the next day they'll go to the other church that does it on the other day of the week and get that same amount of food. And it's like, we have trained our people to be a lazy people and no Christian should be in that no, no, in that situation, if they are able to move, then there's some place that they can be making some money. They can be at least driving. In fact, we even tell people here that if you lose your job, then your new full-time job is eight hours a day minimum. You are looking for a You're new applying, job. You're right? Yeah. yeah. Not, not thinking about, not looking at. You are literally going, if you have to walk up and down the street and go to every single business and say, I, I can work. Would you hire me? And you don't stop for eight hours every day. You come home exhausted, looking for work. And in America, at the end of a week or two, most likely you'll have a job. It may not be the one you want, but who cares? But that's not the issue. That, that right. Paul doesn't say if anyone does not work at a job he likes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's if you don't work, you don't get to eat. Yeah. Very hard, hard sounding, but it's Christian. Yeah. And so we've gotten a lot of information here. Uh, enough for the listeners to digest. And so we talked about the nature and the dangers of procrastination. So we're going to just leave it here. Uh, remember, though, that what we're actually going to do is go from the lesser to the greater. So understand that we just gave you the lesser issues. Uh, we're going to touch on the greater ones on the next podcast. Uh, but it's it's one of the sins that we tweet, tweet, <laughs> treat as respectable sins, and therefore we ought we don't attack it like we ought to. But hopefully today, what we did was we helped pull back the curtain on it and showed a bit of the seriousness of it. May each one of us, therefore, consider what the Word of God says on the subject and examine ourselves before we start looking elsewhere. Just look at ourselves in light of it. But until then, we would say make sure to tune in, join the conversation, and we really would like to hear your thoughts on procrastination. Uh, but we also ask, as always, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review, but also connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and then tell a friend. <laughs>